Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm rolling. We're, we're, we're going to get started. <laughs> Welcome to the Inner Loop Radio and our special quarantine inspiration series. I'm Melissa Skulls Young. These short episodes are here to provide you with inspiration in a challenging time in all of our lives. Maybe writing doesn't feel important to you right now. Maybe you're busier than ever juggling childcare and work, self-care and survival, or maybe it's just too hard to concentrate on anything creative. We're here to help, or at least give you a break. So turn the screen off on your phone, quiet your mind, and take a deep breath, or several, and follow me on a creative journey. I'm thinking a lot these difficult days about space. The spaces we occupy and share, the spaces emotional, mental, and physical that we hold for others, the space my body needs, and the powers that try to control that space. The spaces we violate too, sometimes on purpose, but often from carelessness even the spaces we avoid to protect ourselves and others. I've been writing and teaching from home for eight months now, and it seems that I'll have at least eight more months in this space. I've adapted my university creative writing classes. My students are resilient and flexible, as I hope we're all learning to be. I've included forgiveness in my space for myself, but mostly for my students, my colleagues, and other writers. It has been a relief to let so much go. It's been a welcome change to think about emotional space too and the limits of our bandwidth through the pandemic. Eight months ago was spring and I began learning the names of the birds outside my window. They were the same birds as the year before, but I hadn't really understood their call until time slowed. I'm fortunate to live by the woods and I found out that the trees on my morning walk with my dogs had names too. One day, two tall trees fell into each other and they are still holding each other up. And I've decided that the space of the natural world is now my classroom. I'd forgotten. I'd lost touch with that part of myself. I grew up on a dirt road miles out in the country in rural Missouri. We didn't have air conditioning. We played in creeks to cool off. We grew corn and raised chickens. We cut our own firewood. We had an abundance of land and fresh air. And during the pandemic, because I've started to see my space and our communal space, that feeling of abundance has returned. And I've learned to care more for the spaces that we hold for each other. Watching the world outside my windows has fueled my creativity too, and I'd like to invite you to do the same. So for this writing exercise, push your desk straight up to the window or plop some pillows down on your floor and make yourself a nest or roll your standing desk up to the glass or kick your feet up on the windowsill, but get your face as close as you can to the window. Open your journal, and I recommend a blank page. There's something non-judgmental about starting on an empty canvas, and I think we need to invite that mindset into our writing process right now. Write the date at the top of your page, and then write this prompt. What do you see outside your window? 
Consider the sounds and the story they tell. Make a list of what you smell. What moves outside your window and what doesn't? Write the world outside onto your page. I'm in the middle of revising my second novel, The Hive, and so this writing prompt about the world outside my window helped me again and again relayer scenes, and specifically a scene of the sisters on a summer day. And I wrote the sensory descriptions as if I were the mother inside the camp trailer watching her daughters swim in the Mississippi River. So here's what I wrote. It was mid-July on a sweltering Missouri afternoon, and the sun couldn't find a single cloud to hide behind. Waterfowl ducked beneath the river's surface, and the whippoorwills sang their melancholy from lush trees waving above. The stale air stank of soil and algae mixed with coconut sunscreen. The muddy water of the Mississippi River wasn't worried with the Feller family's survival, but the sisters were. Sunshine baked the wooden dock and kissed the Feller sisters' freckles. Just as they had the summer before and the one before that one too, the sisters wore bikinis. Faded tops and bottoms passed down and among them. The river assaulted the elastic and blistering light faded the floral colors, but still camp swimwear endured. It came too close for me, Tammy said, dangling her legs off the dock. We almost lost everything. She flexed her feet in the sticky air. A rotten piece of debris hung from her pinky toe. Tammy shook it off and the current swept it away. Everything that mattered anyway. It was never that close, Maggie insisted. She swatted a mosquito on Tammy's thigh, leaving a thin trail of crimson blood. Besides, nobody would want this old fishing camp. It's a mess. But it's our mess, Kate said, looking up and down her row of sisters. It's too close for Mom, Jules added. She was itching to be done with it all. The family business and the business of the family, all of it. At least we're still together, Maggie said. That's what Dad cared about. The sisters agreed, sipping green glass bottles of soda, but they'd never know the true feelings of their father. One year ago, they'd sat on the same dock, months before their family broke, and they were left with only the fragments of the hole they'd once been. Now they were making their first camp trip solo as sisters. They were still sorting out who brought what and how the family worked now. Jules dove into the brown water alone and waded her way back up. Maggie and Tammy held hands, nudging each other's hips, and jumped off the dock together. Kate ran at her sisters, waited in vain for her parents to call after them, and then belly flopped in the middle of their wake with a splash. So my window writing prompt helped me write that scene more fully because I imagined how the natural world, the one outside the window, was informing the plot. So it allowed me to see things and hear things and smell things differently so I could relayer the action of the scene. And then in my restructuring, I moved the setting to the beginning and flipped the order of the dock scene and their arrival before traveling to the camp. And this is my second window writing prompt result. And now it actually becomes before the first scene because it's mostly backstory. The Feller family fish camp had been handed down for three generations, a burden both beloved and neglected. It was a simple wide trailer on stilts with rusted panels that had maybe once been painted white. The camp sat at the meeting of the mighty Mississippi and the Ohio River on the lap of Fort Defiance Park. 
Robbie, their dad, liked to remind them that it was once called Camp Defiance during the Civil War and had been commanded by General Ulysses S. Grant. Jules would roll her eyes and tell him that glorifying a war fought for slavery was oppression. Before they began bantering about erasing history versus righting historical wrongs, Grace, their mother, would hold up her hand and say, enough. By the time they loaded the car for these trips, Grace had made dozens of decisions. She sought a truce, even if it wouldn't hold. The trailer's living room and kitchen combination reeked of stale catfish and bitter beer. The two miniature bedrooms housed four sets of built-in bunk beds with narrow strips of peeling, dingy vinyl between the lofts. The fellers ran to camp most weekends and squeezed in a few fall trips before the chill arrived and the leaves crisped in the Missouri Valley. At camp, the sisters learned to bait hooks, pull fish traps from the muck, and dig burrs out of their bare feet. They knew which bunks were theirs because they'd carved their names in the frames as a tradition on their fifth birthdays. On their annual inaugural trip, as spring rounded the corner to summer, Grace cut notches in the wooden stairs to measure her daughter's growth. She added their initials and the date while the sisters raced ahead, peeling off Catholic school uniforms and pulling on mismatched swimsuit pieces from a communal wicker basket before jumping off the dock into the cool relief of the muddy water. The family dog chased them, cautioning their courage with a bark and cheering on their unleashed animal freedom. So most of my writing habits over the last eight months have been about revision. Um, I'm not finding the headspace for writing new, but I'm using my time to remake and rewrite exactly as I just showed you in the scenes from the window prompt. Um, my, win my lens on our world has really been revolutionized. Uh, I see our shared humanity and I'm, I'm devastated by our collective moral failings. I've had to revise hundreds of pages of my novel I wrote in a different world, but I'm changed, so the words have to be too. And because I'm still learning how these shifts will reorganize my vision, I'm cutting things up, as in physically cutting my pages. I print the pages, I slice up paragraphs and sentences, and I assemble them like a puzzle on my desk. And maybe it's the texture of it, but I'm seeing connections where, when I sort through my prose, it, it becomes an absolute mess at first and a scary one, but then I move sentences and paragraphs enough that I see them fresh and they start to crystallize. Or maybe it's just bringing me some hope and a new kind of challenge in writing. What if I tell this in a different order? Um, the process reminds me of poetry. So I'm also bringing a lot of those techniques into my novel revision. And when I'm not revising these pandemic days, I'm reading poetry. I am able to attend two or three virtual poetry readings a week. I, I simply show up and maybe that's all we can do right now. But showing up, I think, is a lot. I have access to readings all over the country now, and it's widened my world. Poetry seems to be what my soul and my brain need and can manage right now, and I'm finding that a poem can be satisfying in a way that a novel struggles. There's a finite finish to a poem, an exhale, a conclusion to this open-endedness and uncertainty compared to a 300-page draft. Poetry has brought me relief lately, and it's provided the space I need most right now. What I wish most for you right now, uh, for, for really all of us, are that these windows renew our faith, and they bring us hope on the pages and, and maybe even in our lives. That's our show. Join us every Friday for more writing tips, inspiration, and prompts. To find out more about us, visit us at theinnerlooplit.org. 
And when you turn your screen back on, don't forget to hit that subscribe button next to our name. I'm Melissa Schools-Young for the Interloop Radio, right on.